0: Hello there, welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the Text-to-Pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin D's. Enjoy.
1: Well, we are joined today by, by two of the greats. This may be the the greatest of all Sermon Talkbacks, a familiar voice on the Sermon Talkback. You know him, the doctor, the Honorable Lou Priolo, Luigi. So Lou is, is Dr. Priolo, but he has an honorary uh, doctorate. Do you have an honorary doctor? I know you have an earned one, but yeah, you know, so anybody can earn one, right? right. Oh or, yeah. Yeah. You just got to go out there and earn it, but not everybody can get an honorary That's true. doctorate. So, uh, but with an earned doctorate, earned PhD, our other friend, Will Kynes, uh, who, uh, so, uh, did such a wonderful job preaching yesterday, uh, for us. Really appreciate you being here at Will. And I'm excited about tonight. Um, they may be listening to this, uh, you know, on Tuesday, Thursday. We're recording this on Monday, but excited to hear you tonight uh, talk about the Book of Job. Um, but let's for now stay focused on uh, Psalm 22. Lou, what are some of your? I, I want to share with. I want to share mine. What are some of your kind of immediate? Man, this is this was really helpful to me as I listened to Will preach.
2: Um, I really thought the takeaways were were really really helpful in terms of what the benefit is. The benefits are of uh, understanding these Psalms and being able to, for example, put them into words, and then being able when it's over to see God's hand in the situation. Our ability to see hope in a hopeless situation is directly related to our ability to see God's hand in that situation. And like the first half of the Psalm. Uh, describes the misery that we face, but the second half of the psal- of the Psalms brings uh, into focus God's solution to the problem, or His help, His assistance, His grace that we need to deal with the problem.
1: Yeah, I thought it was very well said, Lou, and I, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I love. Obviously, this psalm like was framed around some of the particular crises we're all facing. 1918 plus 1929 plus 1968 equals 2020. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't want that and I thought that was really well done and really really helpful but I wouldn't want that to be misconstrued because this has been such a dramatic year is really all the suffering all the suffering we face I thought your your framework of anxiety and apathy we can do that with everything right we can do that with everything and, it, and it's only really when you enter into the suffering and if you will like lament it through um, that in christ uh and in in him and in him being swallowed by the river of lament and understanding what he's done for us that in that you can actually pass through um and come out on the other side and be delivered um and so just i think the value um of lament uh is something i think we we don't often think about enough as christians you know papa and i always talk about how there's only like happy christian songs right we we don't see the value of lamenting, um, and we tried to capture that in the singing part of yesterday. I mean, I think, uh, um, like even Matt's song, "The Lord from Sorrow's Deep," I call uh, is uh, is a reflection on a Psalm <clears throat> of Lament, um, Psalm forty two, and uh, but just, "Oh, my soul, put your hope in God, my help, my rock, my salvation." And so, um, but there, that's not. That's not a regular song that is sung in in the churches. Uh, so curious, Will, just like your experience with this, um, maybe just kind of tell us like how, how you came. Obviously, there's a, a love and affection for these Psalms of Lament. Maybe just how did that really happen in in your life?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, really, it starts with the Book of Job, and we're going to talk about Job a lot more tonight at the event. Uh, but personally. I've wrestled with, I think we all at some point in our lives wrestle with the question, can I trust God? Right. Yeah. You know, can I trust God when I face suffering? Something that I don't understand, something that is beyond my control. Uh, And one of the things that I love about the Old Testament and the reason why that's where I've devoted my life is to understanding the Old Testament is the rawness and the authenticity of uh, the Old Testament as these people wrestle with God in the midst of their suffering. And I think, you know, you were just mentioning how uh, we tend not to want to go through suffering to the other side. I think what we do in our culture particularly, I think it's a very American thing, I don't know if it applies to other cultures the same way, is we want to take a shortcut, right? We want to jump... Straight to the praise part of these psalms, right? And we see that in churches that just sing the praise choruses and never have these lamenting types, and particularly
1: like white American church culture. Yeah, I think
0: that. Oh, yeah, that's huge there. Um, So uh, I mentioned that C.S. Lewis quote. Uh, about how it's those parts of scripture that make us feel uncomfortable where we have the greatest potential to grow spiritually and that's part of what's attracted me to the book of Job but also biblical immense is that i don't feel comfortable when i read them right there's something that i don't understand about right, them right and so i that's where I feel like I need to focus my efforts of seeking to understand because it's there where I have the most opportunity to grow. We
1: pick and choose with the Psalms, don't we?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, there's, Psalm 23, there, all the all day, parts right?
1: of it, or even like parts of particular Psalms, yeah. like, right? Yeah. Like, we love the. And even, I thought you did a really good part, uh, a really good job yesterday. Um, you know, even some of the. On the other side i mean on the on the same the pain anger suffering side of the psalm those parts make us uncomfortable but even the deliverance can also make us uncomfortable it feels too great it feels too big i mean i thought you did a good job like even david okay david's delivered here but this is what is he talking about here what kind of global deliverance are we talking about here Uh, And I thought you did a really good job of that. And obviously, as we understand what it is talking about, it makes us all grow spiritually. It makes us it makes us understand the bigness of
2: God. And I think there's something else we have to keep in mind. Second Corinthians, he says, Paul says, blessed be the father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us. You can actually translate that word assists us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to assist or comfort those who are in any trouble with the same assistance or comfort that we've received from God. And so sometimes um, we go through a trial for lots of reasons. God has lots of reasons for trial, not just one or two purposes typically, but um, one of the purposes that we may be able to, to minister to other people. I can't tell you how many times, one time in particular, I'm sitting there counseling somebody, and this stuff is coming out of my mouth that's like spot on. I never thought it before. I never said it before. And as I'm talking to this person, you know, tears are coming to my eyes because I'm 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 thinking, you know, Lord, now I understand. Now I understand one more reason why I had to go through that terrible trial years ago. And it's because I'm not here just for my own happiness and benefit. Right, yeah. I'm here to minister to other people. So I think and, and you know, it's sort of like well, I don't really want that kind of a ministry. Well, I get it, but but you can't be selfish. Yeah. God has a purpose, and someday your sorrow will be turned into joy, especially if you learn how to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's a great insight. And it's another one of the values of the laments in the Psalter because we can't, or we at least hope, that we don't experience every type of mm-hmm. suffering right. of the people that we come in in touch with and the people that we want to help. But by praying through the laments, we can still learn what that suffering is like, the kind of effects that it has on people. And the more that we really enter emotionally and spiritually into those laments, as we pray them and read them, the more that we can grow. And it forces
2: us to construct our thoughts after God's thoughts. Yeah. I
0: mean, cause without the Psalms,
2: we'd be tempted to think this way or this way, but we have Holy writ now that's going to, uh, help us interpret to ourselves from God's vantage point the misery that we're going through. And that's a very beneficial thing because I don't want to be left to my own devices and my own interpretation of things. I want to be able to look at my trials through the lens of Scripture so that I can see and respond to the trial exactly how God does, right. yet yet knowing that God knows how much misery and pain I'm in.
1: Yeah, so I think you could say it this way. Like, one of the fruits of our deliverance from trial or suffering, is actually fruitfulness. It's, it's, it's usefulness, right? God is going to use these things in our lives. And I, you see that echoed, obviously, in this altar.
2: Uh, no, go ahead. Lisa. No discipline for the moment seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, not while you're going through it, but afterwards it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who are trained or exercised by it.
1: So there's a lot of benefits, obviously, to pass through the judgment or the river of lament. But, uh, and obviously one of them is usefulness Mm -hmm. in the future. Mm -hmm. What happens to us, Will, when we don't pass through the river, right? What happens when we kind of enter into lament, when we kind of end in verse uh, 21a, or a and b, maybe, before the Lord answers us in 21c? I mean, what happens... Um, tell us about that exposure when we, when, we, when we struggle to move into that deliverance that the Lord provides.
0: Yeah, this is one thing that I didn't feel like I had enough time to to dwell on. And partly because this particular psalm moves us pretty quickly. Well, it has, you know, we get 21 verses of struggling, but then just suddenly there in verse 21, we switch to God's answer.
1: And I love how you I love how you kind of helped us read the text more rightly there. That was so helpful.
0: Even if I was criticizing the ESVI. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crossway publishers
1: uh, <laughs> that are in our church didn't like it, but everybody else did. Um, I'm just kidding.
0: But there are other Psalms, Psalm 39, Psalm 88, that don't give us that final move. Yeah. That end in suffering. Uh, and that is another one of the amazing things about the Psalter is it is again so honest and it does reflect what we experience and there are times where we may be stuck in suffering for a long time where there are people who die never getting to experience that deliverance in this life, life right right uh and so uh one of the things that we need from scripture is that hope that sh- assurance that there is an end to this story and that that end will be a happy ending. Uh, and I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Lou, on this because I'm sure you've yeah. experienced this.
1: Yourself. Yeah, but one of the things, I don't want to hear your thought too, Lou, but, uh, you know, I always have encouraged Christians, like, you can't Romans 8.28 your way, like, through everything. And you can when you rightly understand that verse, right? But all things, of course, work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose ultimately, right? Right. But as you just said, like you may have an illness that you have for the rest of your life, and you're like, I don't know what the Lord's doing through this. I don't feel deliverance from this. Um, you know, th- you may maybe maybe you have the maturity you can understand a sense of empathy or an ins- a sense of uh, humility that these things provide. But um, you know, Christians aren't guaranteed to be delivered in this life from every pain we feel, um, and. But still, ultimately, as we're saying, God is going to swallow even those things up in his ultimate victory.
2: I think of all people as Americans, it's just so hard for us to really live, um, believe in, live as though we don't live for this life. We live for the next one. I agree. You know, we have so much to be thankful for. We can get so caught up in things. but the If we point of would the hope in
1: this life alone, we're not really that pitied. Right, right. I mean, most Americans. It's kind of like, well, you had a pretty good life.
2: Yeah, the the, the book of Ecclesiastes, the you know, vanity, vanity. It's like, under the sun, s s u n, it's pretty miserable. Under the sun, s o n, things are going to be different, right? Our light of affliction produces for us a much more eternal and significant weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. Hebrews Hebrews 11, some of them got the reward in this life. Some of them had to die and didn't get the reward until the next life. It's hard for us, I think, especially as Americans, to grasp that. Um, the American
1: I, dream is not like that.
2: Right, right. But it's it's It country, does not man.
1: have cosmic usefulness in mind or so, cosmic glory in mind.
2: <laughs> so to piggyback on what Will said, as, as a counselor, a lot of times, obviously, I have to help people reconstruct their thoughts because their thoughts are unbiblical. And um, part of the time, their thoughts are just wrong. They're false. They're distorted. They, they, um, they're just basically lies. But sometimes they're wrong, not by virtue of the fact that they're, um, they're false, but that they're incomplete. It's like A, B, C, D is true. It's all bad. But as a Christian, you can't leave it there. You kind of have to take a a hypodermic needle of hope and insert the hope of God's word into their thoughts. Otherwise, it will not be complete. So it's A, B, C, D is bad, but you can't put the period there. H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P is good. And it's not a complete picture until you look at both the first part of the psalm where it accurately describes the misery and the second part of the psalm where it accurately describes god's faithfulness and his love and his care and his concern for us
0: yeah another thing that we need to be careful of and particularly as americans is thinking that the end of that story that we're looking forward to is living the american dream yeah whatever that is you know prosperity and health and everything like that no uh the, making the, a deal
1: going on a vacation right. remodeling your house
0: exactly uh no the 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 Bible teaches that the end of that story is praising Christ for eternity in the community of the saints, you know, in this redeemed church. Uh, And one of the things that suffering reveals to us is what we are hoping for. right? And this is what the book of Job does so incredibly well. Uh, because the question that the Satan asks there in the first chapter is, does Job fear God for not?" Which what he's getting at is, is does Job just have an agreement here right, with right. God? Is where, there a
1: marketplace relationship right, or a covenantal relationship? Exactly.
0: Yeah. And we need to be careful that when we read the Psalms of lament and we read them through to the hope and deliverance at the end, that we don't think that this is how it works. Like we do our lament piece and then God is on the hook. Right. He's got to carry out his part of the deal, which is give us the deliverance that we want. And and, and that's one of the reasons why Psalms like 39 and 88 that don't end with that kind of deliverance in this life are important for us to wrestle with because they force us to think, well, am I in this for the American dream, for the, the deliverance that I get at the end? Or am I in this for God? Or do I see that as the end of the story that I'm hoping for?
1: Yeah, no, that is that is so, so helpful. And I think uh, so often a trap, I mean, even kind of in this moment right now, like I would even warn myself of this. Um, you know, I mean, we you can say easily, like in a time of uh, you know racial unrest in America or coronavirus or whatever, you can say, it's easy to say as a pastor, this is a time for lament. And in the back of your head, it's like, and if we do this right, God's going to give us favor or whatever on the other side. Um, and yeah, ultimately your hope is in the things are going to get better in a couple of months, you know, but I can be sad right now. Um, but not really in
2: God. So if there's a time to mourn and there's a time to laugh. And a time to mourn, uh, the, the reason for mourning is not primarily that God would give us what we want, but the reason for mourning is ultimately so we can glorify God and minister to our neighbor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah I think, I think sadness is um, one of those really good emotions that teaches us so much, I mean, to the C.S. Lewis quote, um, and helps us so much that we're so afraid of and that we're, even as Christians, uh, like sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is be sad. Um, That is like the most God-honoring thing you can do. And I think Christians don't really believe that. I mean, a lot of times, like, for example, like a lot of Christian funerals for example, um, will be these kind of joyous, you know, celebration of life kinds of things. And again, I understand where they're coming from in that. Like, I understand, you know, why you would want, like, yeah, we should be grateful for a life, you know, that's really well lived.
2: But, you know, there's sometimes where like, this is just really, really sad. It is better to go in the house of mourning than the house of feasting because this is the end of every man and the wise person, the righteous man will take it to heart.
1: Yeah, there you go. So I think that I think that it's easy to miss that yep. in kind of, you know, modern evangelical American Christianity. And and I think it's kind of one of the things that creates skepticism to a watching world, too, because they're like, are they really happy that their six-year-old child died Almost of like cancer? Or, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, is this real um, or is this just some sort of, you know, virtue signaling act or whatever um, that Christians are putting on here? So, All right. Another question, Will. When, um, like, how do we create this discipline in our lives? Like, maybe people listen, they're like, you know, what? I don't really lament. I, I'm kind of insulated from things. Uh, you know, to your point yesterday, you know, a little apathetic maybe, but, you know, I see this going on, but how do you create this discipline where we do more oftentimes find ourselves, and again, I'm not suggesting that, people aren't suffering but there's some people that i even talked to a guy even just this week and he was like you know i really just had a very good life right he hasn't really experienced a lot of suffering um and so let's take that person and and again i think a lot of people probably listen to this i mean golly we we are incredibly blessed how do we rightly enter into lament and what should that look like in the life of a believer
0: So throughout history, Christians have regularly read through the Psalms. And the Psalter, it might be shocking for you to hear, but about a third of the Psalms, the biggest of the groups of types of Psalms are lament Psalms. And so if you're regularly reading through scripture, then you'll regularly be reading these laments. And, And that'll become a part of your spiritual diet, and and just like anything else, it comes with practice. But Scripture gives us plenty of practice with lamenting, and, and what I was trying to do in the sermon yesterday was help people feel these limits, to feel them. And I, what I challenge people to do when when they do read the limits themselves is not to try and break them down into logical propositions that they might apply to their lives. There's value to that kind of uh, study of scripture, but there's also great value in reading them as the emotional poetry that they are. There's a reason that they're written that way.
1: Um, Yeah. These aren't just propositional true statements over and over.
0: And my hope is that As you read the laments in that way, it'll help you feel the suffering. So what I was trying to do with those opening illustrations was to take suffering that's around us and put it into the words of the lament so that people can see this connection. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I hope that that helps people emotionally connect to the suffering around them. But then the next step, as you pointed out after the sermon, is to look for opportunities to serve people around you, to actually come in contact with those who are suffering. And it's this virtuous cycle where as you feel their suffering, you'll be more inspired to serve them. And as you serve them, it'll be easier for you to feel their suffering, right. which will then make you more inspired to serve. And so that yeah, helps you good. enter into the suffering around you.
2: Yeah. That's really, really helpful. There's something I teach the people I counsel often. Um, especially those who struggle with anxiety, but it really works for any emotion because the Psalms pretty much cover the full spectrum of any emotion we can experience. Anatomy of the soul. Yeah. And um, I call it a spiritual tranquilizer. And what it has to do is when you're going through a difficult time, not just to read the Psalms, which anxiety or grief or whatever kind of uh, pain it happens to be, to find those particular passages of Scripture that just kind of hit the bullseye of what you're going through, and then immediately to start memorizing it and meditating on it. I mean, reading the Scripture, you get a lot, but not nearly as much as when you meditate on it. When you memorize it, commit it to memory. Allow your mind, you know, the word memorization is uh, the word ruminate, right? From which uh, we get the word rumination, it's the idea of a cow chewing on his cud. Well you can read the scripture you get some nutrients out of it but when you digest it like last night um you know we had a really really good meal and today that meal is a part of who I am the scripture's actually become a part of your soul as it were when you memorize them and internalize them and it's sort of like reading gets you get some level of comfort but when you memorize it's like the holy spirit takes oil and pours it right into the wound and the right, healing is right. faster and better so i, I think reading it on a regular basis like will said is really really good i think whenever you go through sufferings to go to the scripture especially the psalms to find those particular passages that really minister to you to memorize them to meditate on them and then also how many of us right now don't know somebody else who's in pain and so Sometimes, it may be my children, my wife, somebody I'm counseling with, I'll go to the scriptures to try to find hope and comfort to them so that I can minister to them. So I think there are at least three different, I don't know, uh, um, courses we can take when it comes to how to apply these scriptures to our lives. No,
1: that's really, really good. I mean, I think, you know, that's why, I mean, obviously this is happening under the providential design of God, but that's why Jesus is, saying psalm 22 when he's on the cross Mm -hmm. it had just become a part of him right and the language that was appropriate to this moment he already had that was just given to him as he meditated on as this psalm had become just a part of who he was right um well that's kind of a great place um i think to end uh uh this has just been a really really helpful conversation in a lot of different ways and i'll just give a plug to the rest of the series so, you know, are there times, Lou, when you uh are grateful and you need to just express that to God in a certain way? The Psalms can help you with that, right? right? Did you know
2: that? Let him sing, right? He, right. he right. is happy. And James, let him sing, right? Are
1: there times, Lou, when you just need to recognize God for all that he is and offer praise to him? Psalms can help you with that too. Yes. And you know, I think actually Christians kind of struggle uh with that. It's interesting when we um when we we, we, all, we oftentimes pray here with like a praise, thanksgiving, confession, supplication things. What I've noticed is that Christians are really good at supplication, mm-hmm. right? We like asking God for stuff. And we're pretty good at thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? Like we can thank God for stuff. We struggle to praise God, right? Yes. Oftentimes, prayers of praise actually just become prayers of thanksgiving.
2: And it's a sacrifice. He who offers praise, um, he who offers praise glorifies mm-hmm. me the sacrifice of praise.
1: And then, and then, Lou, have you ever been angry?
2: Well, here's the thing. You know, it's one thing to go to Scripture when you're hurting. It's another thing to go to Scripture when you know you're sinning, like you have a conflict with your wife, you know, and you know you should probably read Romans 12 about not being overcome by evil or overcoming evil with good, or or your kids do something and, you know, you really want to sin, or you just sinned, and you know you have to go back and ask for forgiveness and then go to those passages about not provoking your kids. I mean, It's hard to go to the scripture when you know you're going to get conviction because you have to repent. I mean,
1: sure. But have you ever been angry? No, not me. Okay. Well,
2: Italians don't get angry.
1: For most of us, so the scripture even gives voice to anger. That's right. So, and actually we're going to be talking about all these things in the next three weeks. So this is going to be a great series. It was, uh, I feel like, I feel like, Will. you know, I wanted you to get us on base. I feel like you hit a nice triple, right? <laughs> so now like we have three weeks, we, three weeks to just get the run home. So great, great work, man. Well, for Will Kynes and Luigi Priolo, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks so much for listening.